When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. So some people have figured out the Knicks aren't good and they're not going to win a championship, huh? (laughs) Knicks. Oh, let's continue the conversation. We were just having with DiPietro and Rothenberg here on uh, Keyshawn, uh, J. Will, and and Max. You almost said Keyshawn. Yeah, and I almost almost messed up Rothenberg's name after he and I just talked about it on Crosstalk. DiPietro and Rothenberg here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. In case you missed it, the Nets came back from a 28-point deficit to beat the Knicks last night, and they did it without Simmons, Durant, or Kyrie. So what does this mean for Tom Thibodeau and the future of the Knicks? Listen to Stephen A. Smith. I know that guy. He's an ESPN commentator on ESPN about what this means. Jay? I am officially embarrassed that there is video out of me last year talking about New York stand-up. I am embarrassed. I'm not finished, Jalen. I mean, this is a disgrace. This, I, I, I owe Jay Williams a Tom Ford suit. I owe Will Bond dinner, whatever restaurant he wants. God knows what pair of sneakers Jalen go come up with for me to buy. What the hell you want, Greedy? I mean, I ain't got a choice. I mean, it's just horrible. Horrible. I, I'm done. I wish Nick fans boycott this team. I'm just sick of it. So it's trending in that direction, Nick fans. I get into an argument all the time with Alan Hahn about this because the amount of turnover they've had as Knicks coaches has been off the charts. But this is what happens sometimes with Tibbs. And I'm telling you this from intricate sources that have talked to me about their situations with him where sometimes it feels like it's run its course. So the last three out of seven games, you're telling me the Knicks have had 20-point leads, 20-point leads in which they have blown. I mean, you you could talk about how they played against OKC, which is at the bottom of the league, 20-point lead. Then the Nets, a 28-point lead. And, and Key, there were some telling things that happened, especially towards the end of the ballgame, in my opinion. Because the two two people that New York Knicks fans had lauded about were Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau. So the Thibodeau aspect we're just speaking about, right? Him running his courses, being really hard on guys all the time. And guys be like, enough, I, I can't deal with this kind of workman-like approach every single day in this league. And the second is Julius Randle. You know, down the stretch of the game last night, for anybody that was watching, there were two loose ball opportunities in which Julius Randle could have gone for them. But you talk about drowning a coach's ear out, right, not listening anymore. Bruce Brown beat Julius Randle to both of those 50-50 balls. That, to me, is effort, man. And when there's a lack of effort because things are tough from your star player even if you want to say thumbs down to the fans and the coaching can't get enough out of the players, uh, that leads to questions, Key, about are these the right people to build our franchise on the backs of? You know, I think when Julius Randle had a successful year last year and he got the extension, I think that that was 
you know, Julius Randle really is a a three on a on a team. Mm-hmm. He's really a three on a two star yep. team. And I think because the New York Knicks and their fan base had been starving for a superstar basketball player, I think uh, elevated him to that level um, for whatever reason because he played good basketball for them last year. You know, I can't think of the last time they had a superstar other than maybe mellow early years in New York when he first came over from Denver where he was playing at an all-star level. Other than that, Porzingis was there for like a hot potato minute. That didn't really work out or pan out. Then in terms of the coach, Tibbs, and I asked you this, I don't know, a couple months ago. I just, for whatever reason, just decided to ask you because you know more basketball than me. Why is it that Tibbs seems to be a coach that people think is like, good like one championships or something because that's the perspective that i've gotten just kind of listening to people and in fact Stephen a we were having a conversation together on first take about tibbs if he was the lakers coach this was when frank vogel was in super hot water uh, uh, you know several weeks ago but we, he started the conversation with me and saying that those dudes aren't playing defense they're not listening to frank vogel if they had tibbs they would be there. and i said to him i said since when did Tibbs all of a sudden become Pat Riley on the bench or become Phil Jackson on the bench or, 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 or somebody like that? Like, when did he all of a sudden become that? And you say, hey, is he for the long haul? I don't think so. Because what is he, Max? What is he? Yeah, he's a guy, like we were talking about it off air, the three of us, and I brought it up with DiPietro and Rothenberg. When you call him a bridge coach, which is what the way I always thought of him, he's a guy you bring in to make sure the team gives effort and it competes and maybe makes the playoffs. And, and other people look and say, okay, that's a competitive, good, live place to go. And maybe you can set the foundation for the next coach and, and to, to bring in a superstar because that's a place people want to play. But in fact, as, as Jay and you pointed out um, this morning, that doesn't really happen. Really what happens, and I was aware of this, is he wears his players down because he gets you know, a collection of guys who aren't the most talented to compete. But he, he plays them a lot of minutes. They're playing very hard defense the whole season. And after a little while, they burn out. So, like, what is he? He's a guy to, to really get the fans into it for a year or two while they compete before they fall apart. I mean, if you look what he did in 2015. I mean, they won 50 games, right, with the Chicago Bulls. The year before that, won 45 games. The year before that, won 45 games, won 50 games in 2012, 62 games in 2011. I mean, so with this Bulls team, he had between Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, uh, Joe Kim Noah, like they had a legit core. There were, there were superstars there, right? Uh, Derrick Rose won an MVP. He had that caliber of player since then. He has not had that caliber of player key that is bought into how he wants to play. Like, he tried to do that in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler, but I, there was clashing between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. And even in his second year there, they won 47 games, and then things dropped off when the next year they won 19, right? Short, short truncated year, I get that. Um, but then with the Knicks, it's like 41 games last year. It, it's, um, it just feels like if you don't have a superstar – that can buy into the way he plays, it's a tough scenario. And I'm not sitting here making excuses that you can't play hard every night. It's, it's not – look, that should be expected. There's nothing wrong with that, to play hard, to draw a line in the sand. You play 82 games, even though I think that's challenging for a lot of teams, you, you should still be able to play that. It's about getting a superstar 
to buy into that. And right now, this team doesn't have those superstars. And look, even get Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish isn't even playing that much, guys, because Tibbs doesn't find him by. How do you get good tradable assets? You play your young talent. And for Tibbs, he wants to win. There's pressure. Your young talent doesn't fit into your defensive schemes or understand how you would like to play. And you're decreasing the value of your assets as well to trade. That's what's weird, guys. Like, if I'm looking to pump up, to inflate my assets, to make them look better than they actually are, I actually want a D'Antoni team, like a fast-paced team where I'm going to get inflated numbers all around. And then I get to trade some of those guys who are nice players but whose numbers make them look better than they really are for players I actually want. A bridge coach to me is actually a guy like D'Antoni who can come in and you can get you get you to play with an, an exciting offense and your you know clips are on Sports Center and all that kind of stuff and everyone gets excited. You bring him in for a couple of years, and, you know, with the right point guard. But bringing in Tibbs, that ain't gonna excite anybody. That ain't gonna make anyone want to come and play in New York. No, because it wears you. Like Jay said, it wears you down. And it's okay to be a hard ass coach, a tough guy, or. But in my, in looking at it from the outside in, it's almost like he's a fake tough guy, you know. Uh, but he's got to learn, or maybe too late, but he needed to learn how to push his players but also learn how to turn it off. Good coaches know how to push guys and get the best out of them, but they also know how to turn it off. When And, and so when you're expecting guys to do things a certain way and they're not doing it, you need to be able to counter that to get them to do what you want them to do. And I don't know that Tibbs has been able to do that. Look, the Knicks don't have the best roster in the world. Okay, they're not a good team. Yeah, they were up by 28 points against the Nets last night, and I watched it, and I watched them come from behind. And I, The dagger on the three by the by the kid. What's the kid's name? The, uh, Thomas. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas. Yeah. When he hit that step back three damn near at half court, and put the dagger in them, that that just showed me right then and there there was no real fight in the Knicks because there's no way you let it let somebody come back 28 points down in the third quarter, then all of a sudden you lose the game. And That's You're not even exchanging buckets, at least exchange buckets. And, Key, like Stephen A. said last night on ESPN Countdown, like nobody's seen Leon Rose. Nobody has seen him this year pretty much. And I also want to remind people what the Knicks front office – Gave up for Cam Reddish. Let me put this into perspective for you. A first-round pick and Kevin Knox, okay? So with the first-round pick and Kevin Knox, and there was considered to be not alignment between Tom Thibodeau and the front office on that decision, Max. So since that moment, since Cam Reddish has gotten over to the New York Knicks, he's played six minutes, five minutes in one game, ten minutes in the next, five minutes in the next, 15, 14, 19 is the most minutes he's played in the game. You get a first-round pick and Kevin Knox for Cam Reddish. You talk about young assets to utilize to trade. You want to play your young assets. My man is barely playing. Why is that, though? Because he doesn't fit into the scheme, and Tom Timido doesn't think he plays as hard as he needs yeah, to play. That's so let thing. me ask you this. With that being said, could that mean that Cam Reddish actually came for the next coach? It, it, or, I mean, I will look at it as Cam Reddish. I need Cam Reddish to be a tradable asset. Like, he could be something for the next coach. 
But I, I need him to understand how to play. Now, the knock on Cam has always been, and we talked about this when that trade happened. I said, hey, look, a lot of people within the ATL organization always said Cam Reddish thought he should be the number one option, and that's been a challenge for him. The talent is there. There's no doubt about it, man. The talent is there. But the cultivating uh, environment needs to be there for Cam, and I don't think that starts with Tom Thibodeau. Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. On the flip side with the Nets, as a player unvaccinated against COVID-19, Kyrie Irving may not play at the Barclays Center because of the vaccine mandate. However, a player from a different market from outside New York who is unvaccinated may play in New York City. Here's NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on that mandate on Get Up yesterday. This law in New York, the, the oddity of it to me is that it only applies to home players. I mean, I think if we're, if, if, if ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena, it just doesn't quite make sense to me that an away player who's unvaccinated can play in Barclays, but the home player can't. So I, I, to me, that's a reason they should take a look at that ordinance. Kerry Kittles, former Nets guard, joins hey, us Kay. now. What's going on, Kerry? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. What's up? What's up? Damn, Kerry, it was like yesterday. I was watching you and John Celestan as a junior in high school thinking, man, I want to play at Nova one day. <laughs> what happened with that? You went to Duke, huh? Yeah, yeah. More money. Yeah, More we, can, money. we can talk about that off the record. <laughs> Jeez, Key. What? What did I do? Kerry, so uh, tell me first off, what are your thoughts on the trade, man? Uh, the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade. Yeah, I, I like the trade for both teams. There was obviously something that was rumbling, you know, underneath the surface with, with uh, Harden's last few weeks there. Ever since the Beecher Report came out with him being on the trading block some, some number of weeks before the trading deadline, and he was disgruntled, at, although it seemed, right, with the injuries and the way they were happening and then him sitting out, uh, seemed to be a little bit frustrated with Kyrie. So there was something going on there that we're kind of hearing about now. Uh, from from others in the organization. So I, I think overall, though, it was a good move for the Nets. They need to move on. And Ben Simmons gives them what they need. Was that their defensive numbers were so horrible at the, in that losing streak. Um, even when KD went down, they needed to become a better defensive team, and he gives them that. He gives them the playmaking ability similar to what Harden does as far as his passing ability. And, and they'll make up for the, the lack of scoring that Ben Simmons has as, as opposed to what Harden was able to give them. And I, and I think for the Sixers, it gives Harden a fresh new start back with his former GM, um, a guy who could run their team and, and do what they need him to do there. So you heard the um, Adam Silver sound coming into the coming into this um, segment. Kerry, wh- what do you think about Adam Silver's comments about the vaccine mandate in New York, which precludes home players only from playing in New York, what do you think about what the commissioner said? I, I think Adam was was definitely smart in, in his approach to the, with, with those comments. I mean, look, it puts a lot of pressure on the New York mayor, right, to look at that ordinance and say, "Is this fair? Do we still need to have this in place? Is it hurting our local team in, uh, un, unjustly? And 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 when can we change this?" And I think it was smart to make those comments now. It gives them a chance. Listen, there's ten more away games. Before the end of the season, before the playoffs start, Kyrie only has ten games, uh, nine of which he can play in because he can't play in New York City against the Knicks. 
So it's nine games left for Kyrie prior to the play. Is that enough time for the Nets to, to integrate Kyrie, KD, and, and, and Simmons together on the court to develop enough chemistry to come out the East, right? And that's, and that's the thing is can you get it done in only nine games versus changing the ordinance, right? And then he may being able to play in those home games as well. Now you're looking at 20-something games possibly for the three of those guys to, to develop some kind of cohesion on the court. Should the Nets be favored to to win the East carry now that Ben Simmons gives them something that they essentially did not have in James Harden? They missed some of the scoring with James Harden, but they pick up significantly on the defensive side of the floor. Now, I, I, I think that that's that's uh, very premature. The talent is there, right? Those three big, those, the big three in the lineup. That's that will be a, a tough tough cover for any team uh, in the in the East. And now you have those shooters around them. Now you have a big who can battle Embiid and can battle Giannis, you know, with, with Drummond. Uh, you have now Aldridge back in the lineup. So I, I, I think on paper it's great. But you're talking about a trade midway through the season? When is a team made to the finals with a trade of, of that caliber, you know, in the middle of the season with guys that are coming back from injury, Guys have been sitting out games because of this whole COVID stuff. So I don't know if there's just enough time to, to, for them to develop everything, but the talent is definitely there. You know, that roster talent, I mean, if you throw in a, possibly Joe Harris towards the end as another shooter to space the court, they, they definitely have enough talent. Kerry, I'm curious. James Harden is so talented when the ball is in his hands, right, known as an ISO player. Joel Embiid likes the ball in his hands. If, if you're Doc Rivers, how do you make that relationship work from a continuity perspective? Yeah, I, I think what you said answers the question. I, I, I think when you have great individual talented players, they're going to get their numbers. They're going to do well. They're going to succeed because the ball is in their hands. The problem is in the playoffs when you have scouting and when the game slows down, there's no flow and there's no rhythm for the other guys to feel comfortable being able to play their role and do what they do. You watch what the Golden State Warriors did some five years ago. It was because of ball movement. It was because of player movement. Everyone touched the ball. And then, of course, KD and Steph Curry, they were able to take over games and do what they do. But it's the role player's involvement to really help you, you know, play to your potential, especially against good defensive teams, which we're going to see in the playoffs when the game slows down. So, I'm definitely concerned having your both of your best players just be guy just be dominant when the ball is in their hands and not be uh, necessarily playmakers for everyone else. And so I, I think Harden gets his assist because he has a ball all the time. But I think the game is really stagnant, and we and we saw some we heard some rumors about KD not being able to to flourish playing with the guy with the ball just sticks in it, in his hands. Kerry, let's come out west and to the Lakers for a quick minute here. Obviously, they won the game last night on the back of LeBron James, but Anthony Davis goes down again, this time with an ankle injury. Um, what should the Lakers do with AD moving forward in the future? Take a hard look at him, and I think AD knows that. And I, if you watch how he's played the last three weeks, I mean, the, the last two and a half, three weeks, he's been playing like the old AD. And so, unfortunately, yesterday he's 17 points. In 17 minutes in last night's game before the ankle injury, he knows it's pressure on him to perform like the old AD. Because I, I, th- I thought that he may be on the trading block this past trading uh, deadline. And it didn't happen. 
But I think moving forward, <laughs> he's auditioning to, to remain a Laker, in my, in my humble opinion, because there are suitors out there for AD's talent. He doesn't necessarily seem to be so enthusiastic about being in L.A., and he's often injured, and so guys are saying, well, he's not, he's not in the lineup. So when he's out there, he has to perform like the old AD from the Pelican days. And I think that that's, that, that's the standard that's being measured for him right now moving forward. And, and, and because he's the only tradable asset besides LeBron James. Who else are you going to trade to try to improve your team in the offseason? So he knows that, and he's picked up his level of play as of late. And if the Lakers are going to try to do anything, make the postseason and make some noise in the postseason, AD has to be dominant. And, and, and that's what LeBron's expecting of him. And I'm sure now he's holding himself to that standard, and we're seeing him perform at that level lately. Carrie Kittles, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for jumping on with us this morning, Carrie. All right, Carrie. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, look, AD has won a championship. We could say, oh, it was in the bubble, whatever. Lakers won a championship with AD. AD was out. Play- like, AD and LeBron were outplaying the Suns pretty clearly until AD got hurt in the playoffs last year. But the fact that's with LeBron. Without LeBron, even with Drew Holiday and some nice teams, he didn't advance in the playoffs year in and year out. He didn't do it. So AD really, if you're looking at him, is an excellent number two player on your team when he's healthy. But in terms of carrying the Lakers' legacy forward as a number two who can't stay on the court, the Lakers do have some evaluating to do. Max, let's tell it like it really is because – I- as a former player, I believe whenever you win a championship, you win a championship. And going into a bubble, being isolated away from your family, uh, you know, going through all those traumas that come along with that to a degree, right? That was challenging for the Lakers. But there were a lot of there were a lot of moving parts in that. So even though I'm not a believer of it, a lot of people out there would say, "Well, there was a caveat because it was easier to play in the bubble. You didn't have to go on the road and play true road games and." But, that, but it's the same for so, everyone, so, though. I was just about to say, Max, I was going to say that. I was going to say, so what happened to the other teams that was in the bubble? Did you guys just hear me? I wasn't one of the people saying no, that. No, no, I yeah, know. Yeah, we're no, not attacking you. You responded to yeah, that. No, yeah, we're responding to right? other people. So I, I hear that, but like the question now comes about AD's durability. And, yes, he can be a number two. And, yes, he has been playing his tail off. But it always feels like we're talking about him being injured. And it's a lower body extremity. Even when they were in the bubble, there were questions about whether he would come back because of his own injury. And even last year with the Phoenix Suns, before they made questions around his health. So I do agree with Kerry. He is auditioning in a way because he is one of the few tradable assets that the Lakers actually do have. NBA's All-Star Weekend starts tomorrow night with the Clorox Rising Stars. Radio coverage presented by Indeed begins at 9 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up next, why one NFL head coach's comments are raising some eyebrows. We'll tell you who said what next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. And we are joined now by ESPN 1530 host in Cincinnati, Mo Egger. Good morning, Mo. Morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Maybe, What's cracking, Mo? Great. Maybe not as good as Zach Taylor. <laughs> Got that contract extension through 2026. Um, no. Uh, you know, it, it, look at it this way. Marvin Lewis kept getting contract extensions and never won a playoff game. So Zach Taylor's won three. He's probably going to be the coach for life. Yeah. 16 years of Marvin Lewis and not very many appearances in the playoff and never winning in the playoffs. And then Zach Taylor takes him to the Super Bowl. And I was telling, like I told you, Mo, I had him being fired in October looking for a real estate broker to sell his house at the start of the season. Now he'll be looking for a real estate broker to buy a bigger house on the river somewhere sitting there in Cincinnati. But he also spoke yesterday after the contract extension about the uh, offensive line. And there was no – real concerns about that. Do we believe that? Because my eyes tell me something different. I don't know the way you guys feel in Cincinnati. Well, for the second consecutive season, uh, despite their success this year, the season has ended with a question about Joe Burrow's health. Now, obviously, the questions about his health this year pale in comparison uh, to what we were talking about when 2020 ended, you know, with him riding off on a cart in Washington. But I mean, that, that was the headline of the Super Bowl, right? The seven sacks and the injury to Joe Burrow that he gutted through and played through and that they nearly won the game in spite of. But, I mean, look, it, it, the, number one, their bad offensive line play caught up to them. They did a good job in the postseason of hiding it, of masking it, of winning in spite of it. But the reality is in the postseason, this team's offense was severely handicapped by – it's inability to protect Joe Burrow. They scored seven touchdowns in four postseason games. Um, and it's a credit to the team that they figured out a way to get to the Super Bowl and come this close to winning a championship in spite of that. But that's not a formula that you can repeat. That's not a formula that you can count on. So you start there, and then it's, look, your season ended last year with Joe Burrow being carted off. Your season ended this year with Joe Burrow limping off the field and being physically compromised. You can't keep doing this. And I think that the scary thing is, you know, this isn't an outlier for all of this team's uh, – for all the, the credit this team deserves, this franchise deserves for the way it invested in free agency and remade the defense, uh, for the decision to take Jamar Chase and give them a really good group of wide receivers, for the way they brought Joe Burrow along, for the way that they sort of rebranded themselves. Their offensive line issues go back to 2016. We've been talking for years now about how they're going to rebuild their offensive line. They've tried first-round picks, hasn't worked. They've tried later-round picks, hasn't worked. They've tried free agency. Riley Reef they signed last year uh, as a free agent to play right tackle. 
he was okay until he got injured and didn't play in the playoffs. So I think the scary thing is it's very easy to go, well, look, just go get a couple of linemen and you're going to be okay. It's not like they haven't been trying to make the offensive line better, and yet the results are what you saw on Sunday night. Mo, when you start hearing people on networks or people that are close to the game refer to Joe Burrow as going down the same path or a similar path as Andrew Luck, how worried does that make you? It, it feels a little premature. It's two seasons. Um, Joe can't go anywhere. He's not going to retire anytime soon. He's wrapped his arms around the city. He seems to love playing here. The relationship between the franchise and the quarterback seems very good. But any of us can only take so much, right? Uh, the guy wants to win, and the guy wants to be healthy. And so if we're having this conversation a year from now, regardless of how the season unfolds, where, yet again, Joe's taking a lot of hits. Yet again, he's the most sacked quarterback of the National Football League. Yet again, you know, he's physically compromised because, you know, they can't block for him. Well, at some point, anybody's going to get tired of it. Now, what is that going to mean? Is it going to mean he doesn't sign a long-term contract and ultimately go somewhere else when he has the ability to do so? Does it mean he retires prematurely? I don't think he's going to retire after just a handful of seasons. But, you know, look, Andrew Luck did get to a place where playing behind that offensive line, A, it took its toll and kept that team from achieving what it could with Andrew Luck. B, uh, he started to miss a lot of time. And C, he retired way earlier than any of us would have thought. I think you are being fair if you worry about those things occurring long-term if you don't get the offensive line fixed. And look, the relationship between the Bengals and Joe Burrow right now seems great. Well, a lot of relationships seem great early, and then bad things start to happen. The worst thing that could happen is we're having the same conversation a year from now. Joe continues to get hit. Joe continues to get sacked. Joe continues to get hurt. And at some point, any one of us would have enough of that. And so I do think you know, you're being fair if you're a Bengals fan, if you're with the Bengals, and that's in the back of your mind. Mo Egger, host of ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. You mentioned, Mo, that they've been trying to fix the offensive line. I sympathize with you. I, you know, as a Giants fan, this has been 10 years. The Giants have tried to fix the line. They've done a bad job. You start to look at the offensive line coach and stuff like that. But in, in the case of the Bengals, you understand why they didn't take a left tackle last year because of Jamar Chase, of course, and it worked out. Almost won the Super Bowl, came very, very close. And had it not been for Aaron Donald, probably you do win the Super Bowl, in my opinion, even with that offensive line. So that's just about as good as you can get. But now you got all your draft picks. You got $50 million in cap space. And, Mo, I see guys, I bring this up all the time, like Gabe Jackson, the, the big old guard, just professional lineman, right? Seattle traded like a fifth for him. And signed him to like seven, seven and a half a year, something like that. It does feel like it's that the Bengals have one or two holes on the line that you should be able to address relatively straight in a straightforward way without even having to break the bank necessarily. You didn't seem very optimistic um, before. Given what the job so clearly is at this moment, don't you think they have the resources to fix it? Sure. I, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism in that regard. Look, th this isn't the, the offseason that we're used to here where you're sort of playing whack-a-mole, where it's like, well, you know, you've got to fix this area of the defense and this area of the defense and these two areas of the offense. And 
there's there's way too many holes to fill in one off season. That's kind of what we've gone through the last couple of years, which is why you saw them spend so much money on the defense and deploy so many draft resources on areas besides the offensive line. Now it's it's pretty simple. You got to address the offensive line, and you could use some help in the secondary, and you you could use a pass rusher. You could use you could always use upgrades, but I mean the areas of need. A, B, and C are offensive line. So, yes, I mean, it's it's pretty streamlined. And, and yeah, they, they do have the resources. They have a lot of money to spend. There are some available free agents. They have draft capital. I think it would be interesting to see if they would ever trade their first-round pick for an established player, which is not something you typically expect the Bengals to do, although they did it in 2018. They traded the 12th pick to get an offensive lineman in Cordy Glenn, and that didn't work out. I think the lack of optimism around the offensive line is just centered around the track record because, you know, again, I, I think people sort of look at what, what happened on Sunday and what happened with this team in the postseason in regards to protecting Joe Burrow, and you go, well, God, their offensive line's not very good, and it's sort of treated as a one-off, and it's not. It's not an outlier. I mean, you know, go back in 2015, uh, which was prior to this past season, their last good year, they had a good offensive line, and they had so few holes on the roster, they took offensive linemen in both of the first two rounds. Those guys didn't work out. They took an offensive lineman in the first round in 2018. That didn't work out. They used the 11th overall pick on an offensive lineman in 2019. Jonah Williams finally got a chance to play this year, and at left tackle he was okay. But it's not like they haven't tried. It's not like they've been completely ne- uh, neglectful of their offensive line. They've used draft choices. They've traded. They've spent a little bit in free agency. Clearly, they need to do more. And clearly, there's a very sharp focus on fix the offensive line and then nothing else really matters. But again, for all the success that Duke Tobin, who is the de facto GM, I thought he should have been the executive of the year for the way he built this team around Joe Burrow. They were the best team in the AFC North. Their, roster, their, their defense was better than anybody ever would have imagined. They, they came within three minutes of winning the Super Bowl. At the same time, the track record is, in Cincinnati, the offensive line isn't very good. And, again, you know, you're being fair if you bring up a, a franchise's track record when it comes to one particular spot. If, if, if we talk about the Chicago Bears, we talk about decades without being able to find a quarterback. If we talk about the Denver Broncos in recent years, their inability to, to find a quarterback. In Cincinnati, it's the inability to, to put together a good offensive line. That has dogged this team when it's been bad, and it dogged this team this year, even though it was really, really good. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. Mo Eggers, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Mo. See you guys. Mo Eggers, host money, of Mo, ESPN money, 1530 in Cincinnati. Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance, will tell you which team we think are serious NBA title contenders coming up. ESPN Radio. Keyshawn J. Willemax, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What's our level of concern? Zero, 50, or to the max. This is Zero to the Max. To the Max is brought to you by Toyota. Make a powerful statement every time you pull up in the pickup. That's five changing the game. The all-new Tundra, Toyota, let's go places. All right, to the max, how confident you are in these teams? How confident are you, I should say in English, not Yoda speak? How confident are you that these teams can seriously contend for an NBA championship? All right, let's start. You ready, Jay? I I like Yoda speech. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm. How confident confident you are. are are. So, the Nets, what's your confidence in their championship uh, contention? How do you play this game again? Uh, you say zero fifty or to the max. I would say right now fifty, mm-hmm. just because I am a little bit unsure about the status of Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. If Kyrie Irving were able to play, they have nine road games left, including their game. Uh, well, not including their game in New York against the Knicks. And I just kind of feel like if Kyrie Irving were able to play all the games due to the vaccine mandate being retracted, and you allow Ben Simmons and KD were healthy playing at a high rate after the all-star level, I would probably go to the max. Uh, but being unsure of that, 50. I'm going to go to the max on it. Uh, anytime you have Kevin Durant, it's like having LeBron James. you got an opportunity and a chance. Ben Simmons is in a different world now. He may feel totally different than he felt in, in Philadelphia. And I know a lot of people, including you, Jay, you pointed out very astutely that they didn't start getting on him in Philadelphia until he started acting – trippy after the playoffs and into the summer before he held out, then they didn't want him back anymore. But I'm sure there was some certain negative feelings with him and Joel Embiid on the team leading up to that. Different environment, different situation. And remind yourselves, the playoffs is what matter. I know Kyrie's going to play only nine games on the road. It's about the playoffs because they're going to make the playoffs and not the regular season. Yeah, I'm to the max on serious contention for a championship. Remember, this is not winning a championship. Serious contention, I'm to the max because they have Kevin Durant, and they have Kyrie Irving half the time, and they got some shooters, and they also have Ben Simmons. So I'm going to say contend, yes. To the max, they will contend. 76ers, Jay. Uh, To the max. It better be to the max. Every time I hear the name 76ers, I think Joel Embiid, James Harden. Whenever you have those two names associated with the team and the top 15 greatest coaches of all time and Doc Rivers, to the max. What's up, Key? To the max. I think you you look at what everything Jay just said, basically, to the max. The only thing that may scare you is Doc Rivers. Other than that, to the max. I'm to the max as well for the reasons you guys said. What about the Los Angeles Lakers? Key, I'm going to start with you. Mm. I'm going to say 50, 50. You know, I, I they're not to the max. They're not at the zero. They're in the middle part of 50 just because getting into the playoffs is most important and staying healthy. And hopefully Westbrook, oh, you know, they'll figure out Westbrook. AD can just stay, you know, with a nice 
ace bandage on a few parts of his body, and we can get through it. Don't worry, Key. I'll answer the question for you because I know that you're a Lakers fan, diehard Lakers fan. Zero, man. It's zero. Damn. It's straight up zero. Damn. I, I don't see how anybody realistically, unless Damn. you're a diehard Lakers fan, you're holding out last-minute hope for your team. Damn. But yeah, to I think, am. <laughs> to think that this team, Key, with, you know, and I know, Max, you're holding on to Russell. They have Wayne Ellington, <laughs> Avery Bradley. Come on. Max is over here trying to make a case for it the whole time we're not on air about how they're going to go in the playoffs. I'm just saying it's zero. I don't, I don't believe in AD being durable. I, I do believe LeBron James can play at a high level. I just think even if they are in a play-in tournament, you're coming out having to play the Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns. We'll see what uh, CP3's hand issue is, but it's zero. I'm at a 50. That's my story, and Get I'm sticking here. to it. I'm here. not getting – listen, Get Westbrook has not hit his stride at all. He's had all a season. This contention? is an exaggerated version of what he's done in recent years. I have not – I'm keeping the faith, Jay. I'm keeping the faith. A title yep. contention? 50. 50. That's right. Contention. Okay. The Bulls. Zero, 50 or two, the max. Confidence that they will uh, contend, Jay. The Bulls. I mean, right now I got, I would probably say 50. Really? And I know people are probably shocked by that because yeah. they're number one in the East right now. Uh, the only reason I would probably say 50 is that this is this year's first, this team's first year together, right? And I think. When you get into playoffs, I'd be curious to see, even though DeMar DeRose is having an MVP caliber year, Zach Levine has been playing at a high level, I still want to see who they are when they get to the playoffs. I would say that's the only thing their first year being together as a whole would stop me from saying to the max as a title contender. What about you, Key? I'm going to say 50, and I'm going to back everything Jay just set up. I'm going to go to the max contender because do I think they can compete at the top of the East given the problems the Nets have had? Yes, I do. And that makes you a real contender, I think. And the reason I but say that. you're not talking about Miami or Milwaukee, by that's the way. True. We just no, keep dropping the you're teams right, who but are. Let like, me tell you who they remind me of, Jay. A lot. They always have. When they put the team together, they reminded me of the Suns from two years ago in the offseason. I'm like, ooh, these pieces that they brought in, unlike the Lakers, these fit nicely. I like this. And it's turned out that way, even with injuries to some key pieces. It's turned out that way. I, I hear what you're saying, Jay, but I think. They're legit contenders. Yes, would I pick them to win the title? No, but I do think, like, you got to put your eye on them for real. You can't just take them for granted that they could make a run. Okay, how confident are you, 0-50 or to the max, in the Grizzlies, Jay? I, I mean, depend upon what happens with CP3's hand. He had an injury last night after he got ejected from the game for a Fugazi bump into the ref scenario, but – I'm starting to say to the max for this team. I mean, word up, guys. Uh, they they beat in Golden State. They play at a high level. Uh, it, 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 they contend. They they are contenders. They will be there at the end of the day. Key? I would probably say 50. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be there in the end. I know what Jay's saying, but when you look at this team, they got to worry about Phoenix and Golden State, right? Not just mm-hmm. Phoenix. Golden State is going to be a monster as well. And then you just never know if they run into a healthy Lakers team. Who knows what might happen? <laughs> That's your I would say hope. this about John Morant. You know who he reminds me of from another sport? Joe Burrow. He ain't trying to wait in line. I'm with Jay. John Morant is not – oh, well, it's not his turn. His turn will go. His turn is right now. That's like Joe Burrow. My turn is right now, everyone, and he's on, a, he's on a squad. Why one NBA player is auditioning 
to play for his current team. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.